You know what you're listening to, right? Three, two, one. Uzima Health and Wellness. What the doctor say? Welcome to the Uzima Health and Wellness Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kendra Outler. We are talking about the social political determinants of health. We are talking about health disparity. We are giving you the questions that you need to be asking. Let's talk family. Hi, and welcome to What the Doctors Say podcast. I'm your co-host, Tamara G. We have our very own Dr. Kendra Outler, MD, who is an anesthesiologist based in the DMV. You may know her from her platform, myuzema.org, dedicated to addressing health disparity and helping us to understand health equity. She also has frequent talks on bdo.org, that's blackdoctor.org, or here at What the Doctors Say. So good morning, Dr. Outler. What the doctors say today? How are you? Good morning. Doctors say we fine. Doctors say we fine. You know, that's such a cute little phase for me. It's it's, it's always uh, what the doctors say. <laughs> exactly. And listen, we are going to be talking today about a new book. It's called 150 Years of Obamacare. Please, let's get right into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you, Tamara G. Uh, I just wanted to, you know, this is an opportunity, uh, opportune time to discuss you know, uh, the changes in healthcare, healthcare reform. Uh, and we've seen a lot of that. I mean, this has been the news where, you know, it looks like uh, some, some uh, Roe versus Wade was reversed. And, uh, you know, attorney Daniel Dawes wrote two very powerful books. Uh, the first one is 150 Years of Obamacare. Uh, and that, you know, strikes as the importance of a history, legislation, all of it in, in this book that was actually prophetic for this time. Um, Daniel Dawes, he's currently the executive director of the David Satcher Institute in Atlanta. And at the time of this book, uh, attorney Daniel Dawes was the executive director of health policy and external affairs at Morehouse School of Medicine. He also founded the Health Equity Leadership Exchange Network. He called Helen. Uh, having met him, uh, he gave me an autograph uh, copy of this book. And I, I just it has been uh, so special as I've used it to actually teach a class at uh, Georgetown School of Medicine, uh, reflected on historical changes actually from um, Reconstruction. Well, well, it sounds priceless and it sounds like it is going to be used for many years to come. I think it is a blueprint on uh, how we move forward, even when we have setbacks. So uh, there's nothing to be taken from, you know, the show uh, is that uh, it is a blueprint. Um, As you know, the Affordable Care Act, known as Obamacare, uh, was the first uh, comprehensive health reform act in history. And I emphasize Obamacare because you had people acting like, oh, what is this? But it was the Affordable Care Act. Um, and people tried to um, counter it by, you know, you know, messing up the name and acting like it was something that was going to uh, be so bad. And, and what we found is that, you know, uh, the, the U.S. really was looking for a change and American people were looking for a way to afford health care. So the, the Affordable Care Act, not only increased access to health insurance coverage, but it increased access for coverage in 10 key areas, Tamara. And those 10 key areas were this, ambulatory patient services, emergency services, hospitalization, maternity and newborn care, mental health and substance use disorder services, 
prescription drugs, rehab and habilitative services, like when you have a stroke, prescription drugs. Um, it also helped out with laboratory services, preventative and wellness services, and chronic disease management, and pediatric services, including oral and vision care for children. So it was an important, you know, reforming of our healthcare system to actually be a safety net more than even Medicaid and Medicare for families across America. The, the major principle, however, uh, that the Affordable Care Act wanted to achieve was a focus on health uh, prevention um, and management of chronic diseases better. And the way to be better at that, Tamara, would be to, you know, have um, rehabilitative services for people, have su support for mental illness uh, and psychiatric care, uh, being able to get your labs checked. You know, if you're a diabetic, that's why the laboratory portion was written into the bill. Hence, you know, allowing primary care physicians to get more reimbursement for the services that are needed to keep people healthy. Uh, I remember the nights that um, the votes were counted and you saw Nancy Pelosi, bam, you know, she hit that gravel and said, the bill has passed. Um, so to have a book or rather an, or a well-orchestrated blueprint about how we got to that day is very powerful and very historic. And you know what, just on a personal level, I have um, a couple of friends that are under the ACA and they would not have been able to get um, some of the health care they have gotten in the last couple of years if they had not gotten, as we as they call it, Obamacare, but really the ACA. Mm -hmm. And they didn't have any insurance. So mm -hmm. they couldn't even go into a doctor and see anyone. They didn't have the money and they didn't have anything that would have helped them to go and see a doctor. So I'm I'm grateful for it. And I know my friends are, too. Uh, but did it really you know, take 150 years for this to happen? You know, um, actually, according to Daniel Dawes, um, the archives of history tell the story of a country that has always struggled with the health, with the idea of health equity and how to provide for care. And so, yes, after um, the Civil War, it took over 150 years to make this happen. Wow. OK, so what is health equity? People hear these terms and maybe they don't know exactly health equity, health disparity. Let's talk about health equity. What is that? Yeah, you know, one of the um, we have a mutually respected, uh, um, you know, historian, friend, physician, and that's Dr. David Satcher, who was the 16th United States Surgeon General, um, and he defined it very well. Uh, health equity is the attainment of the highest level of health for all people, according to you know um, where they are geographically, um, who their race. Uh, it does not mean that everyone gets the same thing. But it does mean that we are, are um, trying to achieve the highest level that a person or a community can have. Um, and, and, and that withstanding barriers are broken down so that we can achieve that. But why would we not have that in the greatest country? You know, um, we are celebrating freedoms and birthdays and, you know, America turns, you know, I believe 246 years old. Why is it? that this would not be something that just would be for everyone. If I can go into the doctor and see someone, then you should be able to go into a doctor and see someone and get this, get the same level of care. 
I think that's why this 150 years of Obamacare is very important because it reminds us of, of the historical struggle that uh, that has occurred in the United States since actually the freeing of the slaves. I mean, you have to understand that during that time, there was a disruption of the ecosystem, if you will, of a society whereby uh, people who were not viewed as people uh, were now uh, emancipated. Okay, we have celebrated Juneteenth this year, first year that it was a national holiday. And, you know, the, the, what people need to reflect on is, is when that happened, uh, this, this idea of a group of people being cared for and provided for because of their ability to, to give us labor, okay, give Americans labor, uh, that system got disrupted. So in, in one of the biggest struggles was who was going to take care of the freed slavemen and who was going to actually take care of plantation owners? Uh, there's the North versus the South. So there's a lot of things, you know, we celebrated Juneteenth, but we also have to appreciate uh, the history, which is why I would say that uh, this book is a, is a must read. Um, we really have to uh, think about how uh, our public health system uh, evolved. And a lot of that happened after the Civil War. Well, if you are just tuning in to what the doctors say, we are here with Dr. Kendra Outler, uh, MD. She's an anesthesiologist based in the DMV. I'm your co-host, Tamara G. And we're talking about this book by attorney Daniel E. Dawes. It's called 150 Years of Obamacare. And just talking about, uh, yes, health equity uh, or lack thereof, possibly in the United States. And why is this book a must read for people who are really into what everyone should be getting. You know, what uh, Attorney Dawes does in this book is, again, he gives us a blueprint of how we work towards the Affordable Care Act. Um, we are now seeing a rollback in some of our accomplishments. Uh, we also know that shortly after the Affordable Care Act was um, um approved and, and what have you, we actually had, you know, the election of another president, uh, we won't say his name, but uh, that uh, actually worked very diligently with uh, the Republican forces to eliminate uh, this, everything that the Affordable Care Act was meant to do. And that's like you said, you know, make people such as your friends uh, be able to have health insurance, which would help them achieve health equity. Uh, you know, so that was the goal of the Affordable Care Act. Nothing is perfect, but it was the first time in over 150 years, or we're counting 150 years, uh, hence the name of the book, uh, that uh, we had major legislation passed that was a complete comprehensive package for health care reform. Uh, if you remember, Hillary Clinton uh, attempted to, to have some universal health care. Uh, I remember 1992. Yeah, right. and I, I remember that. I mean, and that actually influenced me to go into the School of Public Health at that time, as opposed to going straight into medical school, because doctors really were anticipating that we would have legislation that would uh, allow for universal health care. Uh, and again, that was uh, at that time a pioneering. Um, and again, you saw the fierce fight uh, to have that. I think that those efforts in the Clinton years did um, kind of make us, uh, we were not foreign to the concept of uh, universal health care or affordable care. Uh, so when uh, President Obama brought it up again and was able to start the advocacy for it and, you know, push it up the uh, ladder, if you will, uh, it wasn't a new concept to a lot of people because of the fierce fighting that we saw in the hearings that we saw in the 90s. 
But there are so many people who don't have insurance. And that's the first thing they ask you for when whenever you go into a doctor's office, a dentist's office, before they even ask you what your uh, ID and insurance card. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have insurance, it Some of them may or may not see you, but if they do see you, it is going to cost you an arm and a leg. If you're in there because your arm is broken, you might as well give them your arm because you're Mm -hmm. not going to be able to afford it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's it's just amazing that this is something that we as a country are still continuing to fight over. And that, you know, attorney Dawes wrote a book about how. 150 years we've still been fighting about this Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah i think that uh that that you know you said arm and a leg what the what the country has just experienced is a major pandemic and with the pandemic we've seen that um it's not just an arm and a leg or it could be a ventilator months uh recovery from uh, a virus that we are not uh, we were not braced for as a country which makes makes us really reflect on how important it is to have health care coverage Right. Uh, Let's talk about the Tuskegee experiment, because you just mentioned the pandemic. And I know a lot of uh, people of African-American descent were very leery of the uh, virus as well as the vaccine to uh, combat the pandemic. But a lot of that is based on some stuff that, you know, we found out about our government Uh, The Tuskegee experiment. Talk a little bit about that and how uh, Attorney Dawes mentions that in the book, too. Well, actually, you know, I'm not trying to skip over that. I think that he's like me, where we actually go back into the 1800s. You know, this fight in terms of how um, embracing medicine and who pays for what, that actually supersedes the Tuskegee experiment. I mean, we, we, we understand that that, that experimentation uh, on black men, I think it was uh, somewhere of 40 of them. Uh, I can't remember the exact numbers as much as we've heard about it. But the idea was that an experiment was, was, was carried out whereby there was a treatment uh, for syphilis, and uh, it was withheld to see the progression of the disease in Black men. Um, and this was done in the Tuskegee uh, uh, area, and they actually deployed a Black nurse to, to help collect the data. This is a very different conversation in terms of, of health equity and um, affordable care and how we have evolved uh, to, to try to uh, get rid of the ghost of slavery, medicine, uh, slave medicine, race and medicine. Uh, and that actually is a conversation that started in 1800s. Um, so the past is so important. And I mean, um, in the sense that um, as we uh, moved about and created uh, uh, hospitals that would aid uh, freed people who were in search of um, not only uh, a place to live, but a hospital care, uh, you know, they needed care. Uh, there's another great book out called um, uh, Dying, T- Dying from Freedom uh, by Professor Jim Dawes. And I think that uh, Daniel's book uh, definitely complements that book as well. And actually they have some of the same references in the early 1800s about the struggle of freed slaves, freed uh, even white people, uh, and how do we get uh health care to the sick and the dying uh, at that time, infection diseases, uh, smallpox, um, pestilence diseases were rampant 
and killing people. Uh, and uh, we have to remember that there was a struggle even that time before the Tuskegee experiment uh, for health care. And that was what the Freedmen's Bureau's job was, right? So that was also discussed in the book. Yeah, as we uh, evolved, uh, evolved, uh, you know, from the plantation or was freed, uh, one of the post-reconstruction or reconstruction initiatives was the creation of the Freedmen's Bureau. And it started in 1866. And in, uh, in less than 10 years, in 1872, it was completely shut down. And that was because, again, you have a change in uh, the president. Uh, the, uh, president Lincoln was, was assassinated. You usher in a new president that does not uh, share the same values. And then all of a sudden, you have a rollback in efforts uh, to, to uh, achieve health equity. Um, so that's what the uh, Freedmen's Bureau uh, job was in terms of trying to provide economic safety nets, um, Healthcare safety nets for the for for basically the South, not just for free Black people, but you also have in that mix free uh, uh, white people who poor white people who had lost their plantations. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so now we're coming up to you know the 1960s, where mm-hmm. we see the Civil Rights Act of 1964, and also the advent of Medicare and Medicaid. Mm-hmm. And Attorney Dawes discusses that too. Now, some people will say that those were um, policies that I guess originally started out helping people, but then got people kind of um, dependent on them. What Mm -hmm. do you say about those folks? Well, I think that, again, these are people who ascribe to um, basically uh, pre-Civil Rights Act ideology. And if you go before that, then you're into Jim Crowism. Okay, and the Jim Crowism that uh, permeated as we destroyed legislation that allowed for helping uh, freed black people and again poor whites uh, after uh, the civil after the Civil War. And so, what I learned from uh, Professor uh, Attorney Dawes in his book is that you know as you, you struggle forward, some people will keep reintroducing old ideology, uh, whether that is for selfish or uh, what we call um, what the political aspirations they have for themselves or a group of people. Um, but anyone who ascribed to this whole idea that the Civil Rights Act, which is a major legislation um, uh, in the United States, uh, again, they are ascribing to a theory that all should not be given stuff by the government. And that uh, in itself puts us back and it rolls back the efforts to achieve health equity, which he elaborates on so well in the book. Well, you know, we've had so much going on in the last couple of years. We had the election of a president who, uh, unfortunately, as you mentioned, was trying to roll back um, ACA and other policies. If we didn't have COVID-19 happen, mm-hmm. a lot of us would still be oblivious to public health and the need for health care and what happens when we don't have it. You know, you and I, we have good paying jobs. We have good insurance, but everybody doesn't have that. Mm-hmm. And we're, we found out very quickly during this pandemic, um, the have and the have nots, you know, to quote Tyler Perry, when you have insurance and when you don't have insurance, what happens? So what we do have to what we do have to worry about uh, is that sometimes what we saw even with the pandemic is that you may not have enough money and that you actually then have to be a dependent on Medicaid or uh, the CARE Act. Uh, So now 
when these type of uh, situations happen, uh, uh, what we call these acts of God uh, uh, that happen, now we have to ask ourselves, do we really, really believe that some people should go without? Do we really, really believe that health equity shouldn't be something that we all should be working for? Uh, and so, you know, Attorney Dawes wrote this book prior to the pandemic. I'm sure that he was he is not psychic and knowing that there was going to be a pandemic. And so to have this blueprint all of a sudden to reference to you now think, wow, this man is brilliant to have written this book, 150 Years of Obamacare, uh, that gives us this historical blueprint so that we can now move forward and understand how important it is to have had, been able to even create the CARE Act to, um, um, to actually have um, the Affordable Care Act as well, uh, so that if you needed money or you at least had some insurance uh, when you got out of the hospital, that it was not a disaster for your family and your family's um, financial situation. But what it allowed for us to do, especially during the COVID-19, is to have some sense of health equity, uh, that a hospital had to take you, um, that a hospital uh, was there to provide care during this time. Mm -hmm. Well, hopefully it's a lesson that we have learned uh, and for people who are reading 150 years of Obamacare, that you will glean something from the insights of Dr. I mean, uh, Attorney Dawes. Yeah, it's a document that, um, you know, gives us a historical road uh, again to the Affordable Care Act. I encourage people to pull it out and take a look at it if you are a student of public health. Um, we also saw, you know, pre-pandemic uh, that um, the insurance rate of African-Americans dropped 41%, uninsured rate of uh, African-Americans dropped 41%. It eased premiums. It slowed down the growth of medical costs. Um, so again, as hospitals um, became very burdened after the pandemic, uh, you know, the federal government had to step in. And so that is not um, that is the 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 role of the federal government, and and should be the role of the federal government to help its people. And the the Affordable Affordable Care Act that Obama, uh, President Obama, at that time pushed for. Uh, was no short feat. Mm -hmm. Tamara, I just love the book, 150 Years of Obamacare. There's this one passage that really um, stuck with me. It's a quote that attorney Daniel Dawes put in there. And it says, the final efforts to pass Obamacare. The leadership belongs not to the loudest, not to those who beat the drums or blow the trumpets, but to those who day in and day out in all seasons, work for the practical realization of a better world. Those who have the stamina to persist and remain dedicated. And that was a quote that he put in his book by Congressman Gus Hawkins. Uh, Attorney Dawes is one of those people who also persist and he has remained dedicated uh, to health equity. Uh, so I do encourage people to uh, pick up this book. Well, we are so happy to be talking about 150 Years of Obamacare by Attorney Daniel Dawes. Uh, pick it up wherever you can pick up books <laughs> and learn more. And of course, with the Dr. Say podcast with our very own Dr. Kendra Outler, uh, do you have some parting words, Dr. Outler? Well, I think that, again, we should still follow uh, pioneers in uh, this conversation about racism and medicine, uh, health equity, and that uh, one of those such persons is to, uh, attorney uh, Daniel Dawes. He's now the executive director of the uh, David Satcher Institute in Atlanta. Awesome. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Again, what the Doctor Say podcast with our very own Dr. Kendra Outler, MD, an anesthesiologist based in the DMV. I'm Tamara G. And until next time. What the Doctor Say.